We're going to be respectful of everybody's time, those of you who are able to stay. Um, we're going to fill in a little bit of, we won't go into all the details about what the heck Judicial Council is anyway, uh, and things like that, although if you have questions like that, um, Linda has agreed to uh, give us some wisdom. Yes, she's smiling. Um, Vicki's going to start and summarize things uh, ever so briefly, and then we're going to invite Linda to come forward and uh, tell us a little bit about what's coming up in the near future for our denomination. Um, we're going to ask Lee for, for a few minutes to check in with her, uh, and then I'm going to explain the implications of all this uh, very succinctly. So, Vicki. Okay. The basics. For anybody who doesn't know, our denomination, the United Methodist Church, has on the books um, that it is illegal for us to uh, have clergy who are, uh, they call it, self-avowed practicing homosexual, and uh, it is illegal for us to do perform same-sex weddings. Those are the basics, just in case anybody didn't know that. Um, those laws are wrong and antithetical to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We'll just say that. <laughs> um, and, and many, uh, those were the, those kinds of discriminatory laws began to appear in our laws, law books only 44 years ago. So this is a new thing. And since then, uh, we have been fighting against them. There's a very healthy movement trying to change those laws, um, and it's been difficult to change them. So, in at this time, the the strategy has been to be in a state of open rebellion in the church, and so we're just not following the unjust laws. And a few ways that that's been happening, uh, we've been doing same-sex marriages in many places, and uh, we've this last year. Uh, some developments, developments have occurred in terms of ordination. So in our annual conference, for example, and in, uh, in an, another annual conference, we have um, openly ordained, uh, commissioned, and licensed openly LGBTQIA individuals, and just against the, the Book of Discipline. And also in the Western jurisdiction, which is a Western region of our church, they elected and consecrated a bishop who is married to a woman bishop who's married to another woman, Bishop Olivito. And so these were some of the kinds of cases that were coming before our Supreme Court. And the base, uh, just the basic gist of what happened was the Supreme Court said called the Judicial Council, said that they weren't removing any of the orders of the people who had been uh, licensed, commissioned, ordained, and uh, consecrated as clergy and bishop. So they're still in place, but they said what had happened was illegal, according to our laws, and um, and which means that these folks are vulnerable to complaint and um, judicial proceedings um, so in their own regions, right? And so if we continue the rebellion, that means we're not going to process those kinds of complaints and, and our boards for ordained ministry are going to continue uh, to 
do this rule breaking. So they 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 put it back to the regions to uh, to either continue f- uh, breaking the rules or not. That's my interpretation of it. Thank you, Vicky. Linda, Linda follows this stuff more closely than anyone on the planet because she has to, because she writes about that for all of us on behalf of the United Methodist Communications. So, please. So, my assignment is just to tell you briefly about what comes next. And to do that, I have to take you back a year to the 2016 General Conference in Portland, Oregon, uh, where at a certain point in the conference, there was the threat of a split of the denomination. So to deal with that, the Council of Bishops and some others decided that maybe we should create this group called the Commission on the Way Forward. And so that group has been operate. They've had a few meetings. Um, unfortunately, uh, what they're actually doing is not really available to the rest of the membership because the meetings are closed. Uh, United Methodist News Service, of which I am a part, tried very hard. We had prolonged discussions with the bishops about having someone from the news service in those meetings so we could report out, and we were not successful. So we do follow up after the meetings, but uh, basically relying on whatever people can tell us, and they do put out press releases after after the commission meetings. But that commission will continue to meet uh, over the next few years, and they will meet until there is uh, a special general conference that, that was called, and at last week it was announced, the dates of that conference were announced for February 23rd to 26th of 2019 in St. Louis. The following year, 2020, is when the next actual general conferences in Minneapolis. Uh, So one of the other things I forgot to mention about the commission is part of the idea of the commission is to have discussions among people of differing viewpoints. So there was some attempt uh, to have that in the commission. Obviously, it's a very finite group of people, and it's also kind of bishop-heavy. So... um, (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, uh, so that's a general. Thank you, Linda. Holy. Hi, church. Um, I will first talk to you guys as a member of the queer clergy movement, if that's okay. I'm going to separate how I'm going to respond. We are holding our ground. It takes an awful lot for the Holy Spirit to be pushed back into the closet, and we have no intention of allowing that to happen. We have worked relentlessly along with incredible allies to get to where we are, and the evidence of that work can be seen in the reaction um, of those in power right now. 
you can tell if you look pretty closely um, about those in power and the inevitability of a time when they will no longer be in power. Hence, these very stark and drastic measures like the WCA calling for all progressives to leave the church en masse, John Lomparis being quoted in the Times, the New York Times, saying that the Western jurisdiction gave the middle finger to the rest of the church. These are just bizarre, unhealthy statements and actions. They're outrageous. Um, And that is evidence of really solid movement success. So the rulings... They doubled down on the exclusion. That, that should be clear. Um, they widened the ways in which LGBTQI people could um, be complained against and brought up on charges. So whereas before you had to walk as an LGBTQI person into a bishop's office and say, Hi, I'm Lee, I'm a lesbian, and I have sex with my wife, and I, that's genital-to-genital contact, that would be the way that I would be self, I know, self-avowed practicing homosexual. Don't get into the particulars. Um, now, now, with these rulings, a marriage license is enough. In addition, um, social media statements can be used against you. So you can just kind of let that sink in. Um, that is upsetting, deeply upsetting. Um, but these intentional widenings of the oppression and stripping away of the protections that we did have in legalese crap um, is again evidence to progress and the dismantling of what we have had so far. So the Queer Clergy Caucus is standing together as one body and one church. Right now our numbers are up to about 200. Um, And Those of us in privileged positions like the New York Annual Conference, like the Northern Illinois Conference and the entire Western jurisdiction, which is kind of a rogue jurisdiction at this point, um, we enjoy certain privileges and we intend to use those privileges so that um, we make it difficult for those people that are not in context where they are as easily protected as we are because they just got really vulnerable. And the idea of a split won't help them at all. So we will persist and we will resist. Now, as for me personally, I know you guys want to know, I have felt this gut punch when this exclusion is confirmed. It's not that it was not expected, right? But it nonetheless feels like a gut punch. And then it's back and forth ricocheting to these tremendous amounts of love and support that have come out. So it's quite dizzying um, and wonderful and awful. That's about the best I can do. Um, All of this, yes, it was legalistic determination within the confines of church law and precedent. And yes, it could have been worse. But those things don't really make it feel any better. So don't say those things to people that are in the fight because it's hurtful. Um, We see the kingdom of God, but this is not it. Um, So it really sucks. That's the way I feel. Um, However, I'm okay. 
And when Nora was having a rough time and we had a family meeting on Saturday morning, I explained to her, through no fault of my own or gift of my own, that I'm okay doing this kind of thing. I don't shy away from confrontation. It's a problem, maybe, but I'm a middle child and I go towards it. So I don't like conflict. I would rather be on a playground with Nora than on a conference call with a bunch of lawyers telling me about my social media posts. Um, But I can do this, and I can really do this because of you. And that sounds too simple, and it sounds too little, but I want to say very, very clearly, St. Paul and St. Andrew, thank you. From the bottom of our hearts, we thank you. All I've ever wanted to do was to follow Jesus and use the gifts I've got in doing it. And I've looked for a whole life to find a place where I could do that and be myself. Frederick Buechner writes, The place God calls you is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. And I'm really glad that's here alongside with you. I'm filling you in on what's next. What are the implications for us here as a community of faith? We're trying. I mean, you know, I I don't want to sound arrogant. We're trying like everybody else to do the right thing. We're trying like others to follow the gospel. And we're not going to pretend that following the gospel is the way somebody else thinks following the gospel is. We're trying to do our best to read and discern and to pray and to act in accordance with the will and way of Jesus. And so that has led us to this point, not some political position or something uh, of that nature, but trying to be the church in a way that we think Jesus would be okay with. So that's where we are, and um, my answer for what happens next to our community is is really easy because I have no clue. I think that this, some things are going to be happening um, that I can fill you in on. For one thing, some of you are going to go to join with others from around the New York Annual Conference to, uh, to join at this meeting of mind uh, across the park. And um, there, there will be some thoughts and some strategies and some prayers and so forth. So there's that. Um, and, and so that may lead to certain things being done. So... Um, in the short term, we continue to do what we do. We know that we have made no um, secret of who we are and what we think is involved in in following Jesus. So uh, we'll just continue to do that. If members of our church who, uh, who are of the same gender have moved and, and are lucky enough to fall in love and, and wish to be married and wish to be married here because this is their place, then that's going to happen, and it doesn't really matter what, hap- what is written someplace. 
And if we know of a particularly gifted, richly called person who can serve God and walk in the way of Jesus and teach us about that, um, we are going to revel in the gift that that person brings to us who would be willing to serve in ministry here in this place. And that's just the way it is. That's just what we're going to do. That's who we are. So, and that's who we've been for quite some time. I was thinking, oh my gosh, I'm looking around some faces, (laughs) Francis Helen, who've been at this struggle for, I won't say forever because, you know, like, but, you know, a long time. I first remember getting involved when I was a senior in high school 42 years ago in this struggle. And if you could have told me then that we'd be Still, now I know, you know, we're, we're, we're walking along the road. We've decided, as, as Vicki says, we decided we're going to be faithful, and we're just going to be faithful. So, um, you know, and that is a long way, um, but, but it does seem like it's been, uh, been a long time, and, and um, surely God's running out of patience at some point. Um, okay. We may run into trouble at some point, and we may be in a position at some point where we as a community of faith, followers of Jesus, can't stay with things as they are. Now, I don't think we're there now. And, uh, but I, I just want to say that that out the way is a possibility. It's also a possibility that this thing will swing in a very different way, um, that the ch- church will either find a way to live together and say, you know what? We, uh, we, we know we don't feel the same way and think the same way, and, you know, and maybe we, there are some things we can do together anyway. Um, it may come, as, as Vicky said, to a, to a point where we need to just sort of park uh, amicably or, or, or not amicably and, um, and, and, and follow God in the way we, we feel best. Um, it's complicated because, as you know, we're a global church, and so are all our um, bot- deliberative bodies, agencies, including the Judicial Council, are um, made up of people from many different cultures, many different places. Um, and so we know that if it was just up to us here in the U.S., uh, it probably would, would have been settled already. Um, but it's not, not the way things are. Okay, um, I think, so anyway, I just wanted to kind of plant those seeds, and um, then we, what we want to do with our, I, I'm just so impressed time-wise with what we're up to here. I, I just want to say that. Um, mm, mm, all things are possible. So what we, what we want to do is, is ask the folks who have just spoken to come, back, uh, come forward, and we're going to try to answer questions the best we can, knowing that so many things are, are still murky. Uh, so question, June. Yeah, she was wondering about advocacy, like postcard, uh, you know, so, sort of bringing, you know, some thoughts, some pressure to bear. And I think, yes, um, yes. And we've, we've been doing some of that. I mean, <laughs> most recently we sent uh, those cards to Bishop Olivito of encouragement and love, and uh, along with a lot of sort of funky bishop-related gifts. 
And she and Robin sat up late one night watching the, the bishop's wife and thought it was a little too close to home, some of it. <laughs> um, anyway, so we, we've, you know, we've, um, we've been doing that and also advocating with our, our general conference delegates and so forth. Any, um, Vicki, do you have anything to offer about that? Um, that MFSA or that uh, any, anybody else? Well, some of you are methodorks and you're pretty entrenched in the Methodist system here. If you know somebody who's on a district committee on ordained ministry or someone who's on the board of ordained ministry in this conference, or if you know somebody in another conference who does those kinds of things, Joseph IK and I are both on the board of ordained ministry. Um, but if you have a relationship with somebody, utilize that relationship. Tell them that you, that that these these bodies in the conference need to be vocally, unequivocally supportive of non-discrimination in these regions. Um, I also think, you know, I just jotted out a Facebook message to the bishop a few nights ago because I was feeling emotional and I wanted to do that. Um, (laughs) Kay did that too. Uh, I don't think that hurts at all, uh, trying to write letters. Let Let him know that we're holding him accountable to being very vocally, unequivocally, which he hasn't done quite yet, um, supportive of our Board of Ordained Ministries non-discrimination policies. Um, I don't know. I think that's good. Yeah. Another question. Pat. Way forward. Yeah, we have lists of those folks and we could write them pretty postcards and also just be in, in, in touch. Yes? Great idea. Let's do it. Don't know, but we'll find out. Maybe we'll visit them. I hope it's not Newark, though. Yeah, Amy Jo. So I'm not the reporter who follows them, so I don't have real specific information. But basically, they're still in the getting-to-know-you phase, I think is uh, a good way of putting it, where people are sharing their different viewpoints and that sort of thing. There's not not a specific, uh, you know, it's not like they have a proposal or anything like that. It's still... They've only had maybe three meetings, four at the most, so far. And remember, um, these are Methodists, so it takes three or four meetings to plan coffee hour. Chris. Yes. 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 Yes, of course. Um, yes, most uh, mainline denominations are beyond us in this. As I say, I think partly our structure has kept us in this spot. But the Lutherans, Presbyterians, certain, I mean, PCUSA, who else? We got the UCC. Episcopalians, yeah. Um, and so, yes, uh, we can learn. We can, we can definitely learn. 
Another question. Yes, Mickey. Okay, so uh, penalties. Well, that's interesting. Um, what what leverage would there be? So there's a couple of ways to answer that. Um, ultimately, there is uh, financial leverage in that this building, for instance, is held by the trustees of our congregation in trust for the larger United Methodist Church. Um, so there is... Oh, if we decided, well, we can't just, you know, we're not going to be, you know, Methodist United or Ununited anymore. We're going to, you know, call ourselves the Wesleyan Church of, you know, Jesus or something like that. Um, we would not, as things stand now, would not be able to retain ownership of this particular building. Uh, unless there's some amicable separation or agreement to let people do that. Beyond that, mostly finances go uh, the other direction. So I don't know if they would refuse to accept our apportionment payments at some point um, because we're unclean in, in some way. Um, so uh, that said, we do, we do uh, this congregation, we do uh, have some support from the wider denomination for some of the mission work that we are able to do, our campus ministry, our new communities work, things like... Um, other things as well. Uh, and so, yeah, you know, but that, I, I don't see that being in jeopardy at this point. Yeah. I just want to reiterate something that Lee said, that we are, we are in a privileged area. And so there are, there are many other conferences in which um, pastors who have come out or pastors who are doing same-sex marriages who are allies are, they, there are, um, possible financial implications for them. People are being defrocked or, or being suspended from their work, um, not getting their paychecks. And, and bishops and, and their minions called the cabinet can do a lot of things, a lot of bad things to pastors. They can send them to churches that do not want them. Um, and, and churches that are affirming in very conservative areas can, you know, they have, they, they're at risk too because bishops and cabinets can do bad things to churches as well. So, uh, so we're in a privileged place, but, there, but be in prayer for those more vulnerable regions in our United Methodist denomination. So we're um, we're kind of I think like the Catholics in this regard. <laughs> we have these bishops um, who decide where uh, clergy go and what churches get what clergy. So our, our clergy don't really have much choice in that. There's no application process or anything like in other denominations. So our bishops and, and the, their cabinets have a lot of power over the, the lives of our clergy and over the, the lives of our congregations. So. I'm always going to think of district superintendents as minions now. <laughs> that might help. So, Michael.
Okay. All right. So, <laughs> oh boy, that's a an answer with a complicated, I mean, a, a good question with a complicated answer. So, um, but good. All right. So there's nine people who sit on this uh, judicial council, so like the Supreme Court in that way. They are not appointed for life. They uh, serve terms of four years at a time. Eight years at a time. Oh, thank you. I'm going to let Linda answer this question because um, she'll remind, although I teach this. Yeah, I know. I have, but, you know. Um, so uh, they're nominated by bishops or how, and then they're elected by general conference. Um, Is that true? Or what is they're it? nominated. I think they can be nominated from the, it, it all happens at general conference. There are some nominations from the bishops, but they can also be nominated from delegates on the floor. Uh, so not everybody is nominated by the bishops. They serve eight-year terms. There, um, it's split between clergy and lay, but since it's nine, uh, it alternates as to whether there's four or five clergy, for example. Um, so that's that's the basics for them. Uh, I just wanted to get to your point about how can these international bishops have sway. It's not about the bishops. It's about the delegates at general conference. Yeah. Because the votes come at general conference. Right. And so we're um, a 12 million member denomination. I guess 8 million-ish are from the U.S. And um, 4 million are from other places. That's rough numbers. Um, Mostly Africa. um, Then the Philippines. Europe. um, Southeast Asia? No? Philippines. That's it. Okay. And it's basically those churches who, which did not become independent from the larger uh, United Methodist Church at the, um, over the last decades, uh, which many did. For instance, most of South America, other place, parts of Africa, and so forth. Um, and so, and they would say to us, well, you know, you send missionaries here over, you know, a couple of centuries, bishops and so forth, and told us, you know, certain things, and now you're telling us certain other things, and what gives? So, I don't know. David, do you have any thoughts? So, yeah, you know, one possibility, of course, is, you know, more local control over, over things, things of this nature, think the questions of ordination and so forth. Um, Ressi. Ressi has been to more general conferences than Jesus over the years.
Thank you, Ressie. I think that, you know, the, the, like the Bible, the, the Book of Discipline says more than one thing. Um, you know, on, on one point there is all this language about uh, LGBTQ people being of sacred worth, uh, no less than anyone, blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, and then it's immediately contradicted by these, these other hateful paragraphs. Yes. Martha. What's that? Well, to general, um, every church has representation at annual conference, which is a more local thing. And then at each annual conference, and how many annual conferences? 70-ish, something like that. Um, they uh, elect delegates to general conference. And the delegates are the only ones to go. And it's not that many, I mean, because it's a maximum of 1,000 total for the whole world. Oh, it's changed every four years. Changed every four years. It's a fluid book. It's not meant to be, um, you know, written in stone. It's just that's not the nature of it. So it evolves. Um, and none of these restrictions were in, pri- you know, prior to the early 70s. Um, and, you know, I, I have a bunch of disciplines over the years. And in the beginning, it was like this, then, you know. And, uh, and now, it, you know, then it grew, grew steadily until this last round where they began using cheap paper and making it thin again, but it's no less uh, thick with things. Um, and, and there's much in the Book of Discipline that is valuable and helps, figure, you know, helps us figure out how to run these crazy places called churches. So, you know, it's not all, um, it's not all bad by any time. Okay, we've, uh, yeah, quick. Okay, so a couple of things to say about that, and Lee may have her own thoughts about that, but uh, Lee is, uh, is appointed here as, as a deacon, um, and she will continue to be. Um, if something would happen um, where her change of, some sort of a change of status, um, we would say, I am virtually certain, thank you very much for sharing, you know, bishop and cabinet or whatever it is, we, we will continue to um, have Lee as one of our pastors here. So, I mean, you know, there's re- very little uh, for her personally that that can happen. Now, that doesn't mean that there can't be some hateful things uh, along the way, at, at, you know, et cetera. Um, you want to say anything? Okay. Is that, is this helpful? Is this kind of shed a little bit of light. It's now, we didn't want to be exhaustive of, of everything um, because we know this is, this is a long road. It's been a long road. It's going to be a long road, but we wanted people to be, you know, be able to be on, the, on some sort of the same plane. David, did you have a thought? Yeah. And so those conferences that want to not discriminate 
All right. <laughs> yeah, any other sinners have something to say? Yeah, <laughs> Faith. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what Vicky um, was just saying. It it could be. One one thing is there are two two different ordinations, right? Your ordained clergy can go two tracks. You can become an elder, which is what Vicky and Kay are, or you can be a deacon, which is what I am in the process of becoming. Um, and the elders are subject to itineracy. But it's uh, because of our location and because of our context, urban ministry is quite different. Um, and so our itineracy, if there is one, tends to be a lot slower, right, than some place like Mississippi or South Carolina where they pretty diligently do move every three years. It's a different ballgame, right? People go to church. Um, so uh, they see the pastor. But if you only go eight times a year, then, you know, you got to go like several years before you get to know them. Um, yeah, but I won't be moved because I'm a deacon, so that's kind of... And the, I'm expecting to be moved in another 33 years. <laughs> um, we're going to... Francis Helen, if we brought you a microphone, would you pray us out of here when we're, when we're done? I just... Um, I don't want to cut short the conversation, but I know we have other things to do, and there are youth they're going to meet, and there's uh, coffee and goodies that may not have already been consumed by some and there is the sidewalk sale to support our mission so we want to encourage people to do that as well so with that in mind let's be in prayer it's so good to see everybody's face and to know that you love God Mm -hmm. and to know that God loves you thank you God for this time together Sunday after Sunday the joy of being with each other and caring about each other. Help us to be the people you would want us to be for this next week and for time beyond. Bless us and guide us in all that we do forever and ever. Amen. All right.